My name is Latasha Robinson, and I am a Christian and a prophetess. As glamorous and horrifying, or as weird as it sounds, living life called to a ministry of the prophetic is both amazing and complicated. In this podcast, we are going to explore what it means to have a prophetic call in your life, whether it's being a prophet or simply exploring or growing in the gift of prophecy to encourage others. This isn't a rant, but an opportunity to hear about the challenges, victories, and hopes of the calling in the prophetic. So welcome to Talking It Out with Tasha, and I'm Tasha. Okay. So since we've been talking about barn a little bit today, um, once I did the last recorded the last podcast episode, I realized that I never really talked so much about the hardships that come with being um, a woman leading an international ministry um, in a coming to a nation where she barely even speaks the language and where people still kind of think the prophetic is weird or actually at worst, the the comment that I get the most is that it's dangerous. Um, And I guess it is dangerous. I mean, if, if you haven't necessarily taught people that thinking is okay, then the prophetic becomes dangerous because people really at that point are sheep that will follow anything that you say just because you say it's from God. And so when people say that the prophetic is dangerous, that's exactly what they mean. They mean that you don't know how to think for yourself. So you're going to follow whatever this person says because it's exciting. And the truth of the matter is, is like that actually happens. Um, People give prophetic words for not always the best intention. Um, maybe to draw people themselves to soothe their own insecurities. And so like people end up following other people that have no idea what they are talking about. They just have a gift of prophecy. And because they were accurate with their prophetic words, that makes you think that they know what they're talking about in all these other areas of life. It is not true. (laughs) Prophecy is a gift. And so are prophets, but that doesn't mean that prophets know everything there is to know about life. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they follow someone on social media or on the news because they got a prophecy accurate. And the truth of the matter is, is like, I've heard, I've had in my experience, the honor of prophesying with small children And when I was at Bethel School of Ministry, um, we used to have this thing called a leader's advance. And during the leader's advance, it would be an adult compared with two kids. And we would be prophesying over these leaders from all over the world. Well, nobody in their right mind would then say to a 14-year-old kid who's prophesying over you, tell me how to manage my finances. Um, of course not. You're thinking this kid is 14 and they ha- you can clearly see that their gift is there because their words are accurate. And those kids were super accurate, but you wouldn't trust them with the rest of your life. You would just admonish them and encourage them in the gift. And I think likewise, we need to be very, very mindful um, that to separate the gift that a person has in, the, in prophecy and able, being able to prophesy 
and their actual life and character because they sometimes they don't align themselves. And so um, when pastors say that, you know, it's dangerous, what they're really saying is we need you to be careful because, you know, Christians don't always think for themselves. And so I realized that when I started this, a lot of people were like a little bit skeptical and it's France too. People are naturally more skeptical here. Um, but a lot of them themselves had been hurt by prophetic people and prophets came claiming to come to help. And so, and I've never heard more church stories of church splits coming to this nation. It's something real crazy. Um, and so I can understand them being nervous and not wanting someone to steal their people away. And so early on, I just said to people that were coming to our events, I'm like, hey, we're not a church. We're not trying to be a church. We're not a substitute for your church. Our event is on Monday nights once a month. If you're going to use us for church, you're going to be super unhealthy. We're only talking about prophecy here. We're only giving you an opportunity to prophesy. We're not going to be come a substitute for you, the local body in your life. We're just another community of prophetic people gathering together to be equipped for the end. And so I had to make some things very clear early on so that people didn't think I was trying to steal their people away. I think that um, I also taught a lot about judging words early on because I think people think because someone says it's from God, that means it must really be from God. And I'm like, yeah, but you have the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. If something doesn't line up, you should probably reject it, even if the person is your favorite prophet. And so there were a lot of things I did early on to try to try to minimize the effect. But of course, there are always going to be people who just don't trust you, don't trust your motives, don't trust your intentions. And so I experienced some of that. And I had to learn to keep my love on towards people that didn't have good things to say about me. Um, and had to learn to actually be honest and forthright. I'm, I, when I say keep my love on, I don't mean like I pretended like everything was okay. Smile. No, I would get hurt. My feelings would get hurt sometimes because I know myself and I know what I'm coming there to do. And I know what the Lord told me, but not everybody will believe you. And not everybody believed me. And I really had to just learn to be okay with the fact that not everyone is going to like what I'm doing. And that's a struggle for a person like me who grew up with uh, an abusive circumstance that just wants to make everybody happy. But in this case, making everybody happy would mean stopping what God had told me to do. And I had to choose between disobeying the Lord and making people feel comfortable. I'm going to obey the Lord and good luck with your comfort. He, you and him can work that out later. Um, and so I, I really feel like sometimes we think that a person's life, you know, this, this kind of glorious story of coming to Paris and starting a ministry, and it is glorious. There's so many things that God did here that I'm just, sometimes I, I st when I think about it, I'm still in awe. As a matter of fact, the Lord just gave me a free vacation down to the south of France, and I'm still in awe of that. I'm like, I got to sit on the beach. Somebody donated funds for me to go. They were just like, hey, we'll, we'll treat you. And I haven't had a vacation, like a real proper vacation in five years. 
And so when God does stuff like that, he's like, baby girl, you need to rest. I'm always in awe. I'm like, wow, God, you did not have to do that. You know, like I, I mean, for some people, Paris is a vacation. For me, it isn't so much because I work here, but, you know, doing missions. But I mean, I'm in a mo one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It's not so bad. But I've had to learn to overcome the criticism that people give me because they don't like what I'm doing the way that I'm doing it. And I still have had to keep going. Um, the other battle, I would say, is just that battle for my self-worth, wondering if I'm a good leader. I mean, I'm leading in a context that is a lot of times foreign to me. I'm not French. I don't have a, a French way of thinking or a French work ethic. I love French people so much. I think that they are talented and creative. But more than that, I think that they just deserve to be loved because they exist on the in on the earth and that because God designed them and created them for love. And I don't care what culture you are, you were created and designed for love. Now you may not receive love in the same way as I do, and it's not my job as an American to come in and tell you how you need to be loved and how you need to receive it. That's actually wrong. Um, but I really felt like it was important to like really be honoring of the culture, but recognize that, you know, God sent me here, but I am different. Right. And so sometimes honoring my differences meant, um, not choosing to be American, not choosing to be French, but like choosing to be kingdom. And I don't care if you like America or not. I don't care if you like France or not. I care that the kingdom of God will be an influence upon the earth. And I've had to learn to actually um, not value or not compare one culture to the other, but to celebrate the kingdom of God where I find it. The Bible never said that American culture was at hand or that French culture was at hand. It said that the kingdom was at hand. And it's my job as a Christian believer to learn about the kingdom culture and to reflect that upon the earth and to have that be reflected in every ministry that I lead, every business that I lead, whether I can say whether I'm going to talk about Jesus openly or not. And so just dealing with that, that sense of, you know, having to navigate through culture and expectations and the way people think that you should be because you're this, oh, you're a missionary. You should be like this oh, you're an American, you're like this. And you have to navigate through those things because everything's not as black and white as we often would like them to be. And especially for prophetic people who tend to see things as black and white, it's always kind of uh, like disconcerting when someone throws a wrench at you. You're like, you're not like this? No, I'm not like this. And um, I think that's what's important, right? I think the other thing that I've had to come overcome is the jealousy and comparison trap. And this one is honestly something because I have both experienced jealousy and also been had people be jealous of me. Now, the experience of jealousy, and let's just be real, that's always something. And then a lot of us Christians, like we hate those feelings. We hate comparing ourselves to others, but we feel like our value isn't there because someone else is 
doing something great. Someone else got this person to sign off on their book. And you're just like, oh, well, what's wrong with me? How come I'm not connected with this person? How come I'm not doing this? Um, and then you start getting feeling jealous. One of the things I've learned about jealousy in my life is like, I can either let those emotions drive me to a good place or a bad place. And so what I typically do when I'm feeling jealous of someone is I'm like, you know what? First of all, God, thank you that you gave this person this opportunity to do this amazing thing, because I know now that it's, a, it's possible. And I want to ask that you would increase the blessing. Like I'm going to be so intentional in my heart about about praying that that person who I may be feeling those feelings toward that jealousy towards actually increases because just because you feel a feeling doesn't mean it. And then that feeling has negative outcomes. Most of the time doesn't mean it has to, and you get to choose what your feelings do to you. Like you get to choose whether jealousy makes you tear down that person or makes you build them up. Right. And so if it's the enemy, like if it's a spiritual thing and the enemy's tipping you with jealousy, then the more that you begin to pray, prophesy goodness over that person, the more you begin to pray for the flaws you see in that person, then the enemy will stop messing with you with those feelings because they're like, okay, this, this doesn't really do the thing I want it to do, right? Um, so what I'm saying is that you're powerful and you have the power to deal with your jealousy and comparison in a good way or a bad way until, and, and please deal with it. Like, don't just be like, well, I'm jealous. It's nothing. If you know that it's creating a negative cycle in your life, like deal with it. Don't just leave it there. Right. The other, the thing that the one that this kind of throws me off all the time though, is not when I'm jealous is when people are jealous of me. Because if you know anything, jealousy doesn't always manifest in the ways that you think. It isn't like, oh, you think you're so great. A lot of times it's people doing little things that try to devalue you because they don't feel their own value. And I've had situations where people fully have like tried to humble me because they, they read the success that the Lord was giving me as pride. And I'm like, how is it that the Lord is blessing me? And you think I'm prideful because of his blessing. I don't, I don't understand. I like, and it's, it's really a weird thing because you're like, but I didn't, I recognize that I did nothing to get here. And especially with coming to France and starting a meeting, I've encountered the, um, or a ministry, excuse me. I've definitely encountered jealousy from people. And I'm like, but why though? Like, what? <laughs> um, and it's mainly because I think people see the glamour in that, but they don't see the struggle. And they think like, oh, you came here. Everything was perfect. God did this. He favors you. He does this. He, he provides. And I'm like, he does that because he's a good father. He would do that for anyone. I am favored of the Lord. But if you say yes to his assignment, you'll be favored too. And I think that's where it gets confusing for me sometimes when people are jealous because I'm just like, but the Lord is blessing them according to their assignment. And he's a good father who wants to give good things to his children. You're not excluded from that. Um, the other thing for me with that, with people being jealous of me is like, and I, I alluded to this before, it's like, you think that this is easy. 
let me tell you something. I am beyond grateful for what God has done in my life. I am. I would not trade what he has called me to do for any other person's anything. But there has been just as much struggle. I, I won't say that. I won't say it like that because that's really not true. But there's been struggle in this. And people forget that five years ago when I started Barn, I gave up my home, my very good paying job, my security, a job I really liked because I loved my students. I had to tell my boss uncomfortably that I was quitting my job and only to find out that the, the people, my, my former coworkers actually found my YouTube videos from a couple years ago. And they're like, prophetic ministry, that's weird. You're weird. Um, people don't realize that I don't get to see my family um, in the ways that I want to. I have nine nieces and nephews, I think eight and then one on the way. I don't get to see them grow up except for through Facebook and Instagram. I have siblings that I barely see, parents that if, if it had not been from the pandemic, I hadn't seen my dad in years before because I was traveling so much. Like maybe once or twice a year, I I have had to lay down my own comfort. I've had to sleep on couches when I went from having a beautiful apartment in New York City. There's been a lot of things that I've had to lay down in terms of my own comfort in order to embrace what God is speaking to me. Um, and so when you are, when people are jealous of me, I'm like, wow, what doesn't make sense is what you don't see. And the, the things that you think are the amazing, glamorous things are really the parts that you miss are the struggle and the things that I've had to lay down, the the reputation I've had to lay down, the times where I've had to just let someone say something that wasn't true about me. I've had to let people just believe what they wanted to believe. Someone accused me in my own family of doing something illegal. That's the only way I could have ever afforded to live in Paris. They have no grid for people actually sewing into ministry. There are so many things. I had a family member ask me if I was starting a cult. Like, there are so many things that I've had to just keep a smile on my face sometimes and be like, I don't even know how to explain to you anything because just no, no, I'm not starting a cult. No, no one will be drinking Kool-Aid. No, no one will be doing any of that. And, but it's such a different kind of lifestyle that people don't understand it. And so I can either choose to live my life in this very offended way, or I could just forgive people and just keep going. And so you have to understand that, you know, in, in what people think is this big, beautiful, oh my gosh, God sends you to France to start a ministry. There are just, there are things that are like, whoo, Jesus, okay. That was a thing that just happened and I have to now navigate through or I have to pray or I have to, right? Um, and just understand that some of the people, some of the leaders, some of the speakers that we might be so jealous of, we don't see the price they pay, right? And we don't necessarily understand what they maybe had to say no to in order to say yes to what we see. And so I just, I think when hopefully you understand that the hardships that people face are often, um, they, they're not, not always saying it to you, right? 
I celebrate what God has done. There's nothing I've experienced up until this point that would cause me to ever want to go back to my life the way it was, even if it means that people don't understand it. And what I hope for you today is as you listen to my stories and some of the crazy, embarrassing, uncomfortable moments that you realize that it isn't just about, you know, going, starting a ministry somewhere or doing something. It's about partnering with God, partnering with his kingdom and understanding that no matter what the future holds for you, (laughs) that as long as you're walking with the Lord, you're going to be okay. Now, as it currently stands, I'm sitting in a beautiful apartment that I got um, that was that was half of the rent was donated. And I got to I get to sit here and just be in peace. And it's in those moments where I rejoice in the Lord, too, of like, God, you could, you know, I would have been perfectly satisfied with a couch. But thank you for an, an entire apartment. And I I say that to say to you that there are moments that I don't even know how I'm going to live in the next place. And it's, that's not to inspire pity. It's more to say that embracing what God has called you to do means embracing sometimes the hardship of it. There's a very interesting prevailing mindset that people have. Well, if God did it, it would look all perfect. No, it it wouldn't look per. It doesn't always look perfect. And also you have to remember that Let me say it like this, because sometimes people take this kind of a talk as license to do things any kind of way or to do illegal things. I've even heard of people saying, I'm going to do this because God sent me here. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go do something illegal or against God's word to fulfill his purpose. What I am saying, though, is that it's not always easy. And I want you to remember that. Um. We are, you know, he didn't always promise us that everything would be easy. And so if I'm going to say yes to God, I'm going to say yes, fully embracing everything that God has called me to, even if that means that I'm uncomfortable sometimes. And that's the part of this story that people don't really know is that sometimes it's hard to be an American in a foreign country Um, sometimes it's hard to be a person who doesn't speak the language well enough and people are trying to explain things to you and you're like, I have no idea what you just said. I I caught only half of that. Um, Sometimes that's difficult. But what I've found, though, is I have joy because this is the place where I'm supposed to be. And knowing where you're supposed to be makes all the challenges you face in a place easier to deal with. And a lot of times when you're feeling jealous or you're comparing, you're forgetting that that person has a grace to be where they are and they will endure things in that place that maybe you don't even have the grace to deal with. And so in speaking about these challenges, I hope that what I hope to say to you is just there's a price that is to pay for the the calling that God has placed on our lives. And I used to actually hate when people say that because they they kind of make themselves martyrs like, oh, I had to pay the price. You ever heard those sermons where it's like it's super emotional and the person is talking about the high, 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 high price they had to pay. And some of it was truly some of their own irresponsibility, low key. But the other part of it was just like, you know, like they didn't pay their rent for seven months and, you know, um, but 
truthfully, and they just chose not to, not because they didn't have the money or something. I've had definitely heard testimonies like that, but um, in all, in all seriousness and in all actuality, I've just had to learn to embrace all that comes with this kind of a lifestyle. And I've had to also embrace people not understanding it sometimes. Um, so dealing with jealousy, dealing with hardships, dealing with misunderstandings, those are all things that sometimes come along with lead that let me just say this, they come along with leadership for sure. Unfortunately, I'd love to tell you that leaders float around on clouds all day and they're just completely in the presence of the Lord. But most of your leaders are tired, hungry, angry, frustrated, dealing with their kids, dealing with jobs or dealing with people that are difficult and they're trying to figure it out just like you are. Um, but <laughs> all of that to say, um, I just had to learn like to be okay not not develop like a victim mentality or be a martyr like oh woe is me no one understands me but more to be like listen what they're feeling is natural they're they're not feeling secure and that's okay and that security that lack of security has nothing to do with my actual intentions and i need to be able to separate the two and just honor where that person is at um which takes a lot of just self-control, patience, and maturity. Um, but I will say this, um, I will say this, like wherever you are in your walk with God, like there's, there's always going to be some challenge there that you'll probably face. And what you want is grace. Like I wouldn't be able to do any of this without the grace and power and like absolute help of the Lord. And I've had to learn to rest in him. I've had to learn to rest in him with people don't trust me. I've had to learn to rest in him when people are jealous. I've had to learn and rest in, in him when I'm jealous. And I've had to learn to just be okay with the fact that things don't, people don't always perceive you the way that you want to be perceived, no matter how hard you work on that. And so... I guess the point of talking about these hardships is just to say to you, like, are you living your life for the Lord? Or are you living your life for the appraise of, of, the, of other people? If I moved to France and start being a missionary because of other folks, there would be no grace for this. But if I'm doing this because I really have a mandate from the Lord, then the Bible says that when your ways please the Lord, it will make even your enemies to be at peace with you. And the truth of the matter is, is like, as much as I hear rumblings of people maybe being upset about what I'm doing, nobody ever comes to me with any kind of warfare attitude or bad attitude because I come to humbly serve whoever is in front of me. And that's my only goal and purpose. And so I just want to encourage you if you, if you feel like you're experiencing jealousy or you've experienced it from other folks, just forgive them. Like, they're, what what's going on inside of them, they probably don't even realize. Um, you don't want to be, spend your time on the plains of, oh, no. In the book of Nehemiah, there's that story about the Tobiah and Samballot trying to get him to come down to the plain of, oh, no, to talk about what he was doing in rebuilding the temple. And I've just learned that like Nehemiah, I don't have time to go and talk to anybody about what I'm doing 
that isn't trying to actually help and aid what God is doing in this in this season. And so you, you don't need to be sending spending time with Tobias and Sam Ballard, whatever, or Trisha and Melissa, whatever their names are, or Paul and Ryan, um, so that they can feel better about your mandate from God. If they want to know and be a part of it, they can actually come down and help pick up some bricks and help to fulfill the mandate of the Lord. Or don't hinder me, right? Don't stop me from doing what God has asked. But sometimes you have to just look at life and just continue to decide to keep going. And when you feel vulnerable and when you feel tired, go to the Lord. He is the safest place to talk it out with. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Talking It Out with Tasha. Today, we talked about the art of dealing with hardships or um, being called to a foreign nation. Um, If you want to learn more about Barn Global Network, um, you can always go to www.barnglobalnetwork.com. And if you want to learn more about me, Tasha, you can go to www.latasharobinson.com. Um, and learn more about our prophetic training classes, my heart healing sessions. We're actually having a program coming up called Unlocked. Um, and that's going to begin next week, September 13th. Um, or excuse me, it will have already begun by the time you guys hear this podcast. However, you can always still sign up. Um, and it's going to be a class on identity. You're going to get three, sorry, six one-on-one sessions with me. That's three actual heart healing sessions, which is our inner, my inner healing and deliverance sessions, and then three coaching sessions for on identity and purpose. So if you're interested in that, the whole program is like $300 and it lasts $350 and it lasts for three months. So you can always check that out. Um, of course, you can learn more about that at www.latasharobinson.com. Talk to you soon.